You can see that you'd be seated. I love that song. I, I think there's, yeah, it's a little hard to sit after that. <laughs> we, when we, when we talk about all this, I want us to keep in mind that belief is putting our faith into action. Like Bill had talked about the last couple of weeks, it is putting faith into action. We are not meant to just be us by ourselves. Our salvation is not just about us. Christ's crucifixion was not just about me or about you. It was about a love for humanity that was lost and steeped in sin and offered that salvation in grace. And so we're going we're gonna to talk about that as, as the, the next step for this so that we can hopefully not only ourselves be better equipped and understand what God's doing through us, but to also understand, you remember several weeks ago I talked about asking for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Any of these that you, that you go, this is not a be-all and the end-all. This, this is not to, to assess and say, these are your spiritual gifts, this is it. And that there is nothing any, any, anything else that's going to come about, because as we're going to discuss as well, God's Holy Spirit brings these about as God's Spirit wills, not according to a static place, just as, just as God is not I, I was, and God is not I will be, God is I am. God is, God is going to be moving in us, and there will be times that there may be spiritual gifts that we are not going to be using because it is not God's will. There is someone else that's going to fulfill that, and there will be other times that we will, and others won't. We're going we're gonna to talk about all this, so I don't want to get ahead of myself. Okay, so there, we're going to talk about uh, some important principles for serving meaningfully and effectively. Say that with me. Meaningfully and effectively. Okay. Because the whole purpose of all of this is for us to be meaningful, to have meaningful service and to be effective in doing it. Amen? Amen. The most significant journey that any of us can take is one that leads us into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's first and foremost. We cannot do anything else except by God's grace and from that salvation, and that is the, the root that we started with. That is the beginning of that journey. The second most significant journey leads us to understand our life calling and purpose in the kingdom of God. And again, this is not about us. This is that we have a part in the body. Okay. If you'll excuse me, I'm going to keep doing some of these flipping. Part of the journey of discovering your role within the body of Christ is to experience the body of Christ. We are not meant to be just one part. We are meant to be in concert with one another. Um, in Galatians 5.13, uh, it says, You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. I think there's a, there's a key part to this because too many of us think that our salvation is a revolving door. That we basically, we, we come and we get forgiveness and then we go out and we do something else dumb that, that, that puts us in a, in a separation from God and we come back in. And that's the, the whole purpose for our, for our faith life is constantly going out and coming back in, going out and coming back in. Um, the word here... The, the word serve is a command. It is not, it's not an optional. It's not whatever. It is a command. We are commanded to serve one another in love. It means that serving is not optional. It is a matter of obedience. Say that with me. It is a matter of obedience. Okay. Most of us know that we should serve, and most of us want to serve. But a lot of us are not sure where and how we should best serve. Um, this program, or what we're going to be talking about, is going to help you to better understand two things. Who God has made you to be, and that when you make your unique, con your unique contribution, you will make a kingdom difference for, eternal, for eternity. That is the whole purpose to God's, uh, God's Holy Spirit, giving gifts, is for the, for the edification and for the benefit to make a kingdom difference. God wants to make a, a kingdom difference in this world through us. Amen. That makes sense? Amen. 
Okay, so we're going to imagine this is just kind of an imagination rather than giving you something to look at. We're going to imagine a, ba a bag of puzzle pieces that represents you, okay? It could be a small one or a large one. Let's say you get a piece of truth every time you go to a worship service or attend a small group or participate in a seminar. Another piece of the puzzle is, is God's will and purpose for your life. Now, if I ask, what is the picture God is putting together of your life? You might say, I don't know. I think I need more pieces. As time passes, the pieces in your bag increase. Often we think having more pieces will give us the picture, but perhaps more pieces is not the answer, it says. Maybe we just need to begin putting together the pieces we already have. When you put a big jigsaw puzzle together, you start by getting all the colored sides facing up, then you look for pieces with a straight edge, especially quarters, so you can begin putting the frame together. Once the frame is done, you have a context in which to put all the other pieces together. Follow me so far? The, what we're going to be doing is to take all the pieces that you already have and to give you a framework uh, that helps you to see the picture that God intended for your life. And that is something that over the... I, I started teaching this uh, when I was first in ministry in, in 2001. So it's been 20 years of teaching through this, and God has continually brought different things out. God has even brought things that I didn't think were possible and was told those don't happen anymore. And I'm, I'm here to tell you that we're going we're gonna to not take anything away from the Word of God. If the Word of God says that it is there and that, it, that we're supposed to be having it and that is an expectation, we're going to be doing it. Amen. Okay? Amen. The, we are not going to complete your puzzle. Okay? First of all, because God is, is always working with us in a, in a trajectory because we, we continue to improve. Are you the same person now that you were 20 years ago? No. Are you going to be the same person now that you are 20 years from now? No, ideally. Okay. Um, okay, so it's going to give you the framework that you need to, complete, to understand your life calling and purpose so your serving will be more fruitful and fulfilled. Those are two good words, fruitful and fulfilled, okay? That's not only that we are benefiting others, but we are, we are receiving benefit as well, right? Okay. Because just as this is just so our salvation is not just about us, it's also not not about us too. We are part of this. Okay. There are two, there is a twofold biblical purpose in in serving. We are to one glorify God. Say that with me. Glorify God and edify others. Who, who knows what the word edify means? Uplift, build up, right? Okay. That, I always said that was one of those $20 words that only is like this long to, to do, but we don't often hear it. So there are two passages of Scripture that reinforce this twofold purpose. And the two passages we'll get to, but um, the one is the Ten Commandments. I will not quiz you on what the Ten Commandments are. The first four says, don't have other gods, don't worship idols, don't take God's name in vain, and remember the Sabbath. What is the focus of those four commandments? God. Okay, pretty simple. And how we are to love him. Love and worship him, right. Okay, so the focus of our hearts in the next six commandments is to honor parents, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't be a false witness, and don't covet. Who is the focus of those other six? We are others. Exactly. And... Huh? Them are. Th them are. <laughs> All, okay. Others is, is the focus and, and how we are to love them. And that's where, of course, we get in the, uh, the, the second passage is really that great, the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment because God comes first, right? And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. That's out of Matthew uh, 22, 37 through 40. Our serving glorify, glorifies God because it is a form of worship. You understand that? Our service is, a, is, a, is an exercise of worship. 
we worship God in, in our service to others because we show that we love him, and as doing so, we are also loving people in doing that, and vice versa. Okay, and I'm going to, out of... I think it's a little difficult sometimes to know how to love God because we, we get handed so many, so many formats that we, that we stick to those formats and we miss out on so many other ways that we can worship God. Okay? And, that, and that's, that's another part of this is this, is this is really being able to take and to fill in all of those spaces outside of going to a worship service or going to a small group or some study or whatever else to be able to do that, that, that we're going to be, an, uh, we're gonna be a, a spiritual act of worship in how we, we serve. Okay, so I'm going to give you two passages. One of Romans, Ro- Romans 12, 1. You'd think after doing this a lot I'd have these memorized. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. And the second, whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. By the way, I want to throw in a a piece. Every time you hear the word amen, it means that's true. So I want you to think, on a Sunday morning, when Pastor Greg is talking about something, and you go, that's right on. Yes, that's right. That's that's about me. That's that's true. You think that's true and start shouting out amen. Whenever you hear God's truth, start speaking that amen. That's completely outside of this. It's just a little bonus thing to throw in. It bugs me some days. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. And secondly then, again, our build, our serving builds up or edifies others. Ephesians 4, 1 through, or 11 through 12 says, It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare or equip God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up to be edified. We are to minister to one another and serve each other. If we are serving according to God's design, we will glorify God and edify others. You hear that? If we are serving according to God's design, we will both worship God and edify others. Okay. Glorify God, sorry. And that is going to be the major test of our, of our service, okay? There's always going to be that, that test, you know, am I doing this right? Is this God's will? Whatever. When we serve, does it glorify God and edify others? And that's where that comes down to. If you want to check your motivations, your motivations for doing something, for, for anything else that comes along, am I doing this to glorify God and to edify others? And we can justify a lot of stuff, so, I, so it takes being, being very brutal with ourselves to ask the question, why am I serving in this position? Because ultimately, if it comes back to, to me getting warm and fuzzy feelings oh, as, the, as the primary purpose, my service is going to fall flat and it's also not going to do any good for anyone else because it's going to be very evident. I've, I've been in churches, I'm sure you've been in churches before, where people come and their whole thing is look at me, look at me, look at me. And you, you hear all about how wonderful they are. Just ask them. This is, this is about when our service is authentic and, and centered, it is going to glorify God and it's going to edify others. Okay. So we are going to be looking at, we're going to call this a servant profile. That's a little too official. So we're going to be talking about three things in our servant profile. That's what's, what's going to give us our framework. We're going to talk about spiritual gifts, and that indicates what you will do best when you serve. Okay? That is not to say that's the only thing you ever have to serve, and we'll get to that down the line. But in doing so, you will be competent when you use your God-given gifts in ministry. Can you start for me? Okay. The second is going to be your personal style. Okay? Your personal style indicates how you best serve. 
you will be confident relating authentically with others as you serve because it's going gonna, it's gonna to mesh. It's going to be who God has created you to be, the personhood, the personality, everything. And so you will be confident in doing what you're doing. And the third is going to be your ministry passion. This indicates where you will best serve. You will be motivated to serve in areas that you care the most about. I'll, I'll lift up one. One of, one of the spiritual gifts God has given to me is, is evangelism. The, the passion I have is for the lost. So every time that I get up and I, and I talk about we need to be reaching out, we need to be talking to people, we need to be bringing people in, we need to be loving people, whatever else, that's that passion. That's my passion because I have felt the marginalization in my life before, and God has really used that to be able to, to bring a passion to reach in the lost. And so, I, so I, I go a little bit overboard sometimes, but that's it. On my personal style, I can't remember what it is, so we'll figure that out together. But those are just some examples, how those merge together. And there's other things that in evangelism, I don't necessarily get as passionate about. That's just not where God put me in to do that. But we will have that. Okay, and I want you to hear this because we'll say this over and over, and I'll just allude to it, but, but hear this. This is what you're going to hear over and over. There are no right or wrong gifts. There are no right or wrong styles. There are no right or wrong passions. They are just different. You can have any spiritual gift with any personal style and with any ministry passion. Now I'm going to I'm going to say before your mind goes, what do you mean by all that? There are going to be specific things that we're going to look into. So this is not just a, a carte blanche on on every style and every personality and whatever. We're going to give specifics how we're organized, how we think, what our passions are, things to to kind of give us some focus. Again, that framework. We're going to give ourselves a boundary to be working in what God wants to do that comes out of scripture, okay? Okay. There are three truths about spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are God-given, first and foremost. And again, there are no right or wrong spiritual gifts. They are just different. And spiritual gifts answer the what question of what I do when I serve. Spiritual gifts are special abilities given by the Holy Spirit and distributed to every believer. Say that, every believer. Every believer according to God's design and grace for the common good of the body of Christ. That means every believer has one spiritual gift. If you are truly a believer in Jesus Christ and God received the Holy Spirit and salvation, you have at least one spiritual gift. And after this, you may go, oh, well, that's what that is. That's God's gift. We're going to show that's going to be something to build on. Spiritual, spiritual gifts are special abilities. They are divine endowments. They are used for spiritual purposes. This is not just you know, go out and play parlor tricks, okay? You know, there's going to come a time that we're going to have such a young audience that I'll use the word parlor tricks and they have no idea what I'm talking about. So just appreciate knowing what that means. Um, they are tasks or functions, and they enable us to do meaningful service, okay? They give us a framework. 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10 says, To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom, to another the message of knowledge by means of the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, and so on and so forth. So, who gives the spiritual gifts? God. Who specifically? They're spiritual gifts that come from the Holy Spirit, right. Okay, God gives these gifts to his children, Every believer has it one. See, I get, so, I get so excited about doing this that I ruin what's coming later because we'll cover it all, so I ought to just stop. Okay. Every believer has at least one spiritual gift. We do not earn them or choose them. That's not the same as we can't ask for them, but we do not earn them and we do not choose them. God's grace does not work that way. You don't get it because you worked really hard and, God, and, God, and God's going to give it to you because you want it. That's not how that goes. We do not own it. This is the Spirit, and we're going to get into that too. We do not earn them and choose them. Without the Holy Spirit, there are no spiritual gifts. Okay? As we said, as we said, God gives these gifts to his children, to believers. Therefore, unbelievers do not have spiritual gifts. Say that with me. Unbelievers do not have spiritual gifts. 
Spiritual gifts are distributed to every believer according to God's grace and design. They show us how we can make our unique contribution. They reveal a part of God's will for our lives. They confirm that every believer has a place of service. They are given for power and purpose in our ministry. So who are these gifts for? We're going to look at two verses here. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administrating administering, sorry, God's grace in its various forms. And now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Who are the gifts for? Us, for others. It's to serve others for the common good. Okay? Are you making side comments? No side comments. No, I'm kidding. I, I know, you've got to answer stuff. We'll, we'll get to things that everyone's going to get to participate, so not, we're, we're not going to leave anybody out. Um, the, the one thing I want to hit, not a, not a side note, but a, maybe a side note. I've been in, in a lot of churches where the understanding or the belief or the misconception was that the pastor was the only one that really had any, anything to give and that everyone else's job was to sit there and listen and get something out of it and be good throughout the week. That that was their whole purpose. Your, the, the, the whole purpose was that the, that the pastor was the one that did it. And the problem is that the church does not grow when the pastor is the only one that's doing it. And I will tell you, as the pastor, the pastor will get exhausted very quickly and even the pastor will no longer be effective in doing that because he is ha- he or she is having to do it by themselves okay that is not how the church was meant to be that is not how this church gets to be either okay and I say that as one that enjoys all the things that I over overcommit myself to and I'm sure that Kelly enjoys I'm sure that other people enjoy all the things that they overcommit themselves to but that is not the purpose. The purpose is not to have a handful of people leading everything. The purpose of all of this is that we would function as the body of Christ, that we would all be in service in the unique places and making a unique contribution. And I want to emphasize unique contribution. That means that when, when Kathy does one thing and if Lisa's right by her side, they are not having to do the exact same thing the exact same way for the exact same purpose. They are each making unique contributions, and I will tell you, just knowing them for the last six years, well, I've known Lisa the last six years, but knowing Kathy as long as we have now, they both serve very uniquely and with very different passions to it, and my hope is that whatever that, that, is, that is inhibited in you or any of us here or anyone else that, that comes about too that you would be set free to do other things as well, to, to be, to be un, unhampered, unrestricted. Okay. Okay. Spiritual gifts are for others. It is for the common good of the body of Christ. My gifts aren't for me. They're to benefit others, to benefit you. They are given to build up other believers. They, are, they help us to serve one another better. They empower believers to expand the kingdom of God. Your spiritual gift is not for you. It is given to you for others. Just as other people are given spiritual gifts for you to be blessed as well. Okay. The description and distribution of spiritual gifts does, it reveals how God intended his church and his children to function. There was a design, right? Okay. God carefully selected each believer's spiritual gifts. Paul wanted us to know spiritual gifts are from God. He says it three times in 1 Corinthians 12. Three times. That's a ma- that, I don't want to say magic number. That is an important number. In the Bible, when there are threes, that is important. Those are things you need to, need to draw attention to. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Verse 7. All of these are, are the work of the one and same Spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. That's verse 11. But in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. How does that make you feel? This is your participation. How does it make you feel 
that God has given you a spiritual gift? Even if you don't know what it is, how do you feel knowing that God has given you a spiritual gift? Sometimes scared, honored, blessed. You know, I had a music teacher that said, everyone can sing, not everyone is trained to sing. And so if one was trained, they would learn how to do that. You, as, as long as you're over there and your wife doesn't hurt your ribs too bad by, by going that until you get to that point, that's, that's fine. Okay, so we're going to talk about uniqueness, univer- unity, not university, unity and diversity, Okay. Because just as I said, this is not meant to be a cookie-cutter thing that this gift looks like this and this the gift looks like this and this, you know, you, this is how you're supposed to do it. We're not, we're not the robots that God has sent. That's why we're given a free will and we're given a personality from where God has, has led us through that is going to give us uniqueness. Spiritual gifts are given by design and make us unique. Therefore, when we come together as a church, we experience a great diversity and our differences are by God's design. Romans 12, 6 says, we have different gifts according to the grace given us. Comes by grace, right? However, we must understand that diversity is not division. There's a difference. We are clearly told that while we are all diverse, we are called to serve without division. And that is a, that is a hard thing we do as the church, not this church specifically, but the church overall is we have a hard time serving in diversity without, without dividing. Okay? And we'll get to those down the, down the line. Um, 1 Corinthians 12, 20, 21, and 25 and 26 say, It is written that there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot, say cannot, cannot. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the hand cannot say to the... Uh, sorry, the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. So that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. I can't tell you how many times I had an administrative assistant or I had someone that would take care of things like Kathy does, and they were my saving grace. I would, I would build them up all the time because in, in, a, in a gift administration, I can, I can devise and strategize all those things. I can come up with, with all the, the vision that God gives and what have you. I cannot make it happen to save my soul some days, but I know who can. And that's usually where that, where that comes in, is I can administrate it, but someone else is going to be able to put it together. And that's where those, give, those, those parts come together and they glorify each other. I looked good because they because I let them look good. They made me look good, and I tried to make them look good in doing it too because I equipped them and gave them enough to be able to go on. Diverse, did I get through all of that? Okay. The diversity of these spiritual manifestations is simply a reflection of who God is. There are different kinds of, oh, this is 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 6. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. We believe in what we call a triune God, three in one, big $20 word. A God who is three in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God himself exists in community. He has one purpose, but he has chosen to manifest his diversity through the three persons of the Trinity. The church, his body, also exists with one purpose, and it has different manifestations. But just as diversity was not meant to be division, so unity is not conformity. Say that. Unity is not conformity. 1 Corinthians 12, 
29 and 30 say, Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret? And it goes on in, in, sorry, it goes back in 17 and 20. It says, If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Say that, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Unity is not achieved by being alike. I think the church would be really boring. I think, I think uh, the church universal does that, and so therefore we have a hard time too. We always have a hard time being in unity because we get competition. We, and, we'll, we'll, and we'll cover that down the line too, that we, we get this, this personal, this little thing that comes up inside of us. And because it, it becomes that, it's a spirit that grows within us that we have to subdue. We have, to, we have to call it out. We have to give it to God. We have to surrender it because it will destroy not only our service and our effectiveness, it will destroy the joy that is meant out of all of these. This is not God trying to put us to work. This is God working his grace, his joy through that service that we are, we are glorifying God and we are edifying others and that gives us that joy back because our focus is on, is on edifying others and glorifying God first and foremost. And whenever we, we come to that place where we, where we have troubles serving in unity or in that diversity or anything else that this is about, we, we let that little, that little individuality thing come out. Okay? Being unique is not about being an individual. Being unique is about being special. Well, and, well, and here's, the, here's the thing, is knowing that the two of you, Paul has completely different gifts. Paul, Paul is very effective. Even when the two of you are around each other, he has, a, he has a different spirit. He has a different personality to it. He engages different people in a different way. Go, I see God using each of you in different places. And the fact is that if both of you had the same personality and the same outgoing abilities for whatever else, First of all, you probably wouldn't be together very long because you'd, you'd probably go, I want to talk too because that's, that's what God has given you to do that. Paul, Paul has very different gifts than what you do or at least different personalities to it. You may very well have the same gifts, but again, we're going to get to that, that passion and that, that personal um, 
that personality, the, the, what did they say? I can't remember. Anyway, the, the personal style are very different, and so you can do the same things exhibiting the same, the same gifts in very different ways. Mm-hmm. Right. And I will, and I will tell you that, that usually the source of that is we want we want approval, we want to be, we, we want to feel valued, and the problem is that first and foremost, if we are not valuing each other, there's a there's a big shortcoming in our spiritual walk with Christ because that should be the first thing that we have is that we understand that there is nothing we can do to earn God's grace, there is nothing we can do to lose God's grace. There is nothing we can do to make God love us any more, any less. And with that being the premise, our service should be about us doing and acting in a unique way with a certain passion that God has given to us and that it does not revolve around everyone else. It revolves around God and who he has made us to be and we work together. I'll, I'll bring one more in. By the way, if, if we don't get to certain things, We'll carry it over for the next. So I'm not going to try to keep you forever, and I'm also not going to try to try to rush everything. But there are there are two different tests that that get to, to come up a lot in in businesses. Um, what are the what are the personality? What's the most common personality uh, test that you can think of? Myers Briggs. Myers Briggs is about are you are you uh, sorry uh, are you outgoing or or introverted extroverted or introverted are you sensing or are you feeling are you um, are you intuitive or are you perceiving I'm mixing these up uh, I n let's see I n t g INTJ. Are you judging? Are you judging or perceiving? Are you uh, thinking or feeling? Are you intuitive or, or ex, uh, introverted or extroverted? INTJ. And oh, intuitive. Intuitive or sensitive. That's what it is. Okay. So anyway, now that I've slotted that whole thing. It's basically, the, the thought for that is, here's what you are, and then they tell you how to deal with everybody else. Everyone else is not like you. And it almost has the, this thing of you're supposed to understand yourself, but everyone else that's like you doesn't really act like you either, to be honest. But the other part of it is that you're taught how to deal, how to cope, okay? The other one that I like, you may not have heard of, is a strengths inventory. Strengths inventory is similar to the to the spiritual gifts, where basically you take a take a set of surveys. It's about three hundred questions, I think, if I remember last time. It comes out of a book that's uh, called Now Discover Your Strengths, and out of that is to find what are your your three or four dominant strengths. And the whole purpose for it is how to network with each other, because here are the things you are good at. And here is, here is the unique contribution you are going to put into a company or into an organization, including the church, that you are going to be well-equipped at doing. And these are the other people that have other strengths, and this is how they work together. So in a very secular model, if, if you'll excuse it, strengths and spiritual gifts are not, aid, are, are not unalike. Now, businesses, anyone can have strengths, anyone can do it. It doesn't mean having to be a believer or an unbeliever. So I don't want to smack, smack them together. But the biggest thing is, do you f- is, is uh, loyalty or usefulness or staying with an organization is do you feel your gifts, uh, sorry, your strengths are valued and utilized? 
And that's, I think, something that we need, to, we need to understand and put into place in the church as well, is that if someone has a spiritual gift, we need to encourage them to use it. Amen. We need to give them a place to use it. Because let me tell you, if we, if we all go on, this is what I'm supposed to be doing, and everything is very laissez-faire, you know, hands-off, car, car, I learned a lot of French, apparently. <laughs> if, we, if we always go on the only things that we use or the things that we are comfortable with or that we've always had, that's why the church doesn't grow, is because we've got people that, that have spe- specific gifts, and if their gifts are not utilized, they're going to walk out the door. Because God has given them a unique spiritual gift, and if the church is not using it, they have been, it, is, it is not a matter of the, the church uh, of, of the church somehow, you know, the, of you having to fit into it. It's the fact that the body is to be the body. And it's basically like the body saying, I don't, we don't want a hand. We don't want to, we don't, we, we've got one hand. I'm very right-handed. We can use the hand. I don't need this hand. So, so the person that has that hand, and we see that a lot in organizations too, that everyone is, is very ingrained in this is my job. Okay? We need to lose the idea of this is my job. Okay? We are not employing anybody here. Even Pastor Greg is not employed. He is compensated for his time, for his leadership, but we need to get out of this idea that somehow Greg or anyone else that, that draws a paycheck is paid to do this and this is their job. this again is, is, a, is a part of working together, is that this is not waiting for the pastor to ask us to, to use our gifts. 
this is us, just as a couple weeks ago when Kathy had a, had a word to share, she came up and asked. There was concert together in doing it, but Kathy felt that moving of the Holy Spirit to say it and went and consulted with it. That is how that happened. She didn't sit there until, until Greg said, why don't you come and talk to us about, about what God's doing in your life, unless she had somehow said something to it. We have to get out of this passive, passive-aggressive thing where we basically we sit in our pews and we feel stifled for what we're doing, but we never come out and say, hey, can I do this? I'll tell you, uh, six years ago, I started playing the bass. You know how I started playing the bass? I'm not sure Lisa even knows how I started playing the bass. I was here two weeks, and I looked at that black bass up there, and no one picked it up, and I couldn't stand it. And so I asked, and so I, so I came up afterwards, and I said, Kent, do you have a bass player? He's like, no. I said, well, I play bass. Well, good. Well, we can do this and such and so on. That's how I started playing bass. We have to be willing to come up and work together. This is not about, you know, top-down mentality. We have to work together and look at, is God calling me to do something, and can I seek that out? And we're going to get into more of that because I've, I've talked about what is my desire for the church. I want people to be set free. And the biggest thing that I think sets people free is understanding that what God has put into you is not just for you to sit in a pew. It's not just for you to do whatever someone comes up and finds a usefulness for you. Okay? I'm doing the things that I enjoy doing under two things. One is I felt God calling me to do it, and second, Greg said, Greg recognized it and set it free to do it. Other than telling me how long I'm supposed to keep my mouth going or shut, that's the only direction that tends to come. And obviously, we don't necessarily obey all that well. But okay. Last part here, and we'll transition to that, to that second part here. And the second part goes quicker. At least I'm going to promise it does. Unity is achieved by having the same purpose, and that is, again, to glorify God and to edify others. God designed each part of the body to work toward this purpose by being in an interdependent relationship. That's a big word. Say interdependent with all the other parts. We all start out in dependent relationships. When we were young, we were dependent on our parents. They provided us with food, clothing, and shelter. Dependency means needing and relying on others for life needs, being unable or unwilling to provide for oneself. Rely, I want you to hear that. Unable or unwilling. There are two sides to that coin. Relying on the aid of another for support. Some become independent. As we get older, we begin to realize that we are not like everyone else. We want to be independent. So we assert our attitudes and behaviors, believing that if we are free from others, we will be independent. However, God calls us to be... Did I miss something? Oh, yeah, I did. <laughs> Culturally, we equate maturity and mature relationships with independence. Dependent means not needing or relying on others for life or relational needs. Being able to provide for oneself free from the influence, guidance, and control of others. I want you to hear that. Free from the influence, guidance, and control of others. We are independent. We are walled off. We are alienating ourselves because we think that we can do it all on our own. Scary. However, however, God calls us to be interdependent and have interdependent relationships. The first thing I want to say is anyone that, 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 thri that strives to be independent in a church strives to be independent from God too. If you are not willing to be open to the, to the input of other parts of the body, you at the very root are not allowing God to to give input, to give insight, to bless you, to do anything else. You are walling yourself off from it. And, no, and when, you, when you sit in the pews and go, why isn't God blessing me? You're the reason God's not blessing you. Okay? 
Just as the physical body has many parts that work interdependently, so believers are to serve interdependently with their gifts in the body of Christ the church. I heard a great thing today. We are not, we are not a body with a skeleton. We are a skeleton with a brain that drives a flesh-based mechanics. Everything that we do, everything that we go, that we, that we, everything that we, that we interact with, everywhere we go, everything we do is all driven by our brain causes everything else to work and our skeleton keeps us upright and allows us to walk from here to there. That is the whole part to that and that's, and that's probably a great illustration for the church is that we are given, we are the body, we are the, the outside source that the brain, the head of the church, Christ, gives direction to. And when we strive to be in, independent from it, we are basically cutting off any ability for the brain to do anything and then wondering why the hand doesn't work. Okay, I digress. Interdependent means committing who we are and what we have to serve others. Committing. Knowing that th- what we can offer to and what we need from others. Two-way street. Enjoying the fruit of diverse gifts operating in unison. That's my favorite part. Enjoying. We are not meant to just be slaves to, to, to someone else's device. We are meant to enjoy our service, our relationship with Christ and with one another. Okay? You want to see churches grow? Churches grow because they enjoy being there. They enjoy being in service. They enjoy being in worship. They enjoy singing. They enjoy interacting with each other. They enjoy life in Christ through the Holy Spirit. Yes. And when, when we, we, we talked a, a few weeks back about having a spiritual experience, it draws us closer to those that God loves. Our spiritual gifts are meant to not only be something we enjoy doing ourselves, it is the fact that we enjoy serving others. We enjoy going to them. We enjoy engaging them. We enjoy inviting them. We enjoy learning about them. We enjoy loving them. We enjoy being the church. They're used. They're used to the Moses. Behold. Right. Right. Okay. So now, mature believers do not remain independent of each other. Rather, they offer their uniqueness to others and receive from others their differences. There are things you and I will not be able to do that someone else is going to be able to do. And that's another part of we we enjoy being in that is that being interdependent means we can do everything together and we don't have to do all the same things. They understand interdependent relationships reflect God's design for the church. And I think we need to get that is that our interdependence 
our working together, our relying upon each other is God's design for the church. Just as God's design for us individually is to be able to work all these things together at the same time, God's design for us as the church is to work interdependently with one another in order to move and to shape and to act in, in the way he designed us to. If we know our uniqueness and think we can independently accomplish more by ourselves, we fail to see as God sees. We also fail to glorify him and edify others. So being independent does not glorify God and it does not edify others. For the tongue to communicate the gospel, it must be connected to the body. By itself, the lung cannot make its contribution separated from the body. The hand cannot feed the poor. Romans 12.5 says, In Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the other. Say that with me. They belong to all the others. You and I belong to each other. Not, not with each other, to each other. As you are the body of Christ and each one of you, First uh, Corinthians twelve twenty seven says, Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. When we do what we are created to do, we will be a healthy, interdependent, and harmonious church. That's really the heart of this is we need to learn not only what those spiritual gifts are, we need to learn how to function with each other and, and to each other. Uh, what keeps us from relating to and serving others more inter- interdependently? That's my, that's my question for you. What keeps us from relating to and serving each other more interdependently? We're going to take like one minute, so let's just short things if we can. Or less if you don't talk. <laughs> us ourselves, Okay. They, if, if I said, do you know what the seven last words of the church are? The seven last words of the church. In other words, the seven words of a dying church. What are the seven, seven last words of a dying church? We've never done it that way before. It's not my, that, that's probably close to it. We've always done it this way and we've never done it that way before are both seven words if you split them out for it. Those, those are the things that we have to get out. The idea is to be, to be together interdependently, and when we fail at doing that, it's because we think that we have to do it the same way we always did. If I came in and, and, and was the pastor of the church and tried to lead this church in the same way that I led some other church successfully, it would not work. You know why? Because this is not that body. We are unique, Right? God has a specific design for this church and others. That doesn't mean, again, that we have to function with the vision. We have to understand that we are unique, and within the subset, we are to function together, and we are also to function with the others as well. That means we have to not be afraid to go across town to some other church that we don't necessarily want to sit in the pews of and work with them together to be able to, to, to bring about the, the, the glory of God in the body of Christ. Okay? That's just as much for me as it is for you. I have to be nice to United Methodists too, even though I was really mad at them and they were really mean to me. That still has to come about. <laughs> okay. And we're going to, I'm going to, I'm going to name these off and this is what we're going to hit the core of next week. So this is where we're going to stop off. This is going to line out all of the spiritual gifts and they are all based on scripture. Say that with me. They are all based on Scripture. Okay. 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10, and we read this before. To one is given the word of wisdom. Through the Spirit, to another, uh, sorry, <laughs> wisdom, through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. To another, faith, by the same Spirit. And to another, gifts of healing, by the one Spirit. And to another, the effecting of miracles and to another prophecy, and to another the distinguishing of spirits. We're going to call that discernment, by the way. Discernment of spirits. I want to link that in. 
It's not a, the ability to discern. That is not the spiritual gift. Discerning of spirits. Okay. To another, various tines, kinds of tongues, and to another, the interpretation of tongues. How many is that? Nine. Okay. First Corinthians twelve twenty eight says, and God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administrations, and various kinds of tongues. So what are we up to? Ten and three is thirteen. Okay. Romans twelve six through eight. Since since we have the have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if service or helps in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation or encouragement, he who gives giving with liberality, he who leads in leadership with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Up to 17? Okay. Ephesians 4.11 says, And he gave some as apostles and some prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors or shepherding and teachers. So we're up to, we're up to 19. As you look at each of these four gifts, you can clearly see that some of the spiritual gifts, and you can also see these lists are not identical. Okay? You'll see overlaps in some. Others will be new. These lists are used to be more illustrative examples of the spiritual gifts than a definite list of gifts. This means that we're going to name off 20, 23, and I'm going to give you a few others. That does not mean these are the exhaustive list of the, the spiritual gifts. God will manifest his spiritual gifts in us according to the Spirit's design and, and leading, not according to us or according to a list, even in the Word of God. It is, and it, but it will match up with Scripture. I want to tell you that. Okay. We're at 19. We have listed 19 spiritual gifts so far. There are four others that we're going to include in here. While they are not specifically mentioned in the list we've seen, the spiritual gifts are rooted in Scripture clearly evident in the life of the local church, affirmed in the lives of some believers, and consistent with our description of a spiritual gift. Okay? 1 Peter 4, 9-10 through 10 says, Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering uh, God's grace in its various forms. The 20th is hospitality. In Exodus 31, 3-5, through 5, I told you a few weeks ago that, that God's spirit was in the Old Testament too. Here's one of them. I have filled him with the spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, and in all kinds of craftsmanship to make artistic designs for work in gold, in silver, and in bronze, and in the cutting of stones for settings, and in the carving of wood, that he may work in all kinds of craftsmanship. 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 2 says, I urge you then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. And the last one. Psalm 153 through 5. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with harp and lyre. Praise him with tambourine and dancing. Praise him with stringed instruments and pipe. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. This we're going to shorten up as creative communication. Okay? Some churches recognize other possible gifts not described or mentioned in here. They include celibacy, counseling, deliverance, martyrdom, and voluntary poverty. Okay? Those are all means of God's gift. They're all supported in Scripture. We're not going to be focusing on them. A guiding principle to determine what is a spiritual gift is to look at the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. If it was evidence there, then we need to be open to the possibility that it may still be present in the body of Christ today. Okay. We are going to cut off with that, and we're going to shift to prayer.
but I want you to to come and I'm going to say this. If there are, if you have spouses, if you have friends, if you think this is something they would use, one, this will be on the, the podcast, right? Okay. This will be on the podcast. Give them the link, tell them to go to it, whatever else. When we do the, the surveys or the, the inventories next week, I will bring plenty. I want you to take them to your spouse. I want the, you to take them to your friends. I want them to, to be set on so they don't have to miss anything just because they're in the back or they're doing something else. I want you all to, I want all of us to be engaged because if the church is going to grow, it cannot just grow because seven of us are in the, in the same room. Eight of us are in the same room. <laughs> Sorry. Had to include me. Um, so we're going to do that. I'm going to bring plenty. But come next week, we're going to discuss all of that. And then we're going to set you, set you home with, uh, with a packet. And please give your attention to it. But we're going to really dig in next week with some, some heavier stuff and allow God to really, really bless us. And so can we pray to close this and then we'll go on to, to the rest of it. Father God, we give you thanks and praise for your Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you for the role that we have in your church. Lord, we repent of any time that we have sat still, that we have ignored it, that we have waited for someone else to come to us to do what you have told us to do and instructed in our hearts. Lord, we pray that in this, in this time together, in these weeks, that we would not only grow in your grace, but Lord, that we would grow in the understanding of what you have instilled within each one of us and that we would be set on fire to use it in new and exciting ways according to your spirit and according to your design. Lord, we thank you for creating us different so that we all could fill a part in this kingdom. Lord, we pray for, for our part within this church and within the church uh, universal. Lord, that we would be filled with your spirit and that we would make that kingdom difference that you have designed us to be. We thank you most of all for the salvation that we have in your son, Jesus Christ, who has made all this possible. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit for sending it to us so that we would not only have a helper and a counselor, but Lord, that we would have the motivation from your holy word, from your holy throne to be in use, not only to glorify you, but Lord, that we would edify your church in this world as well. We praise you and we thank you and we ask that you would guide and direct our paths this week and in the coming weeks as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.